0: God's faithfulness when we are unfaithful or God never gives up on us. Romans 3, 1 to 8. Uh, Father's Day. Have you ever, dads, have you ever really messed up as a dad? <laughs> really falling on your face? Really flopped? <laughs> I know, don't raise your, I'm not looking for hands, but I, have this ever happened? I may have a couple of times, <clears throat> a couple of times. Probably my worst, I'm going to tell probably my worst. Uh, when I, uh, when I lost little chicky at Disney world, <laughs> she <was laughs> where's Kim? Kim is going to help me with this. Is she? Oh, here, come on up. She, she was starting to add points in as I was talking about it. So I said, you're going to have to help me with it. So, uh, she was one and a half and I was unloading one of the strollers. You know, we had all kinds of little kids and i was unloading the stroller and i she was in the front so i unloaded her then i turned around to get the child in the back out i turned around and there was no chicky no chicky and we we're getting ready to leave right it's nighttime uh she was a runner she was a runner uh, she was gone i lost chicky i'm looking all around it's dark it's nighttime it's And th-
1: there's 5 trillion if you're ever at disney world when it opens the gates you know everybody's flying in and when it's closing it's just A mob. Swarms of people leaving, and we were, yeah. I'll let Kim give her So basically, (laughs) we, so basically. It
0: was her fault.
1: (laughs) So basically, we had a double stroller. My mom and dad are there because it was, we were panicked. Double stroller. Oh, that's right. Grandpa lost
0: her. That's right. Now I remember.
1: (laughs) But she was. She was only one and a half, and Johnny was behind her in the car, in the stroller, and he was only six months old so we we have to gather our, our stuff to turn the strollers in so he takes chickie and he just puts her down in the meantime i'm getting I did gone, say stay there. I, I, I did say that. <laughs> but he just put her down in the middle of the of the swarms of people. So chickie just like one and a half she just started walking with the people.
0: She's a runner.
1: But she was. So anyway, but she started walking with the people and i turned around and i said, "Chuck, where's chickie?" and he's like I don't know. I told her to stay there. I took her out, and I told her to stay there. Now, now, mind you, I don't know. This, this I, is therapy. I, this is therapy. <laughs> so anyway, so she she basically just walked away. We we didn't we didn't know where she was. So I turned to my mom and dad, and we all turned to each other. And I somebody had to stay with the rest of the kids because there's ten kids there. Um, stay with the kids. Who's gonna go find Chicky? So we start all going out. Mom, did you go out too? Yeah, a couple of us went out to try to find her. And, I mean, thank God there was a family that was smart enough. She had been walking all alone. She walked out to the, like, she was not to the parking lot yet, but you know that big entrance way? She just kept going, going, going. This family realized probably a one-and-a-half-year-old walking by herself isn't really normal. So they started to talk to her and calm her down, and just talk to her. She didn't know she was lost. She was just walking. Um, She's still in her head. So she was there, um, and the family just stayed with her until we all come out panic-stricken trying to find this little kid. And so thankful that yeah, God protected her.
0: <laughs> and, and so she was saved, and so was my marriage. So, uh,
1: Now, uh, just
0: to be fair, that's not the first child we lost on that trip, was it? And I had nothing to do with the first one. Uh, all right. We've lost several children at Disney World. So anyway, we actually have 15 kids, so anyway, uh, not 13. Now, what? Or- Now that I have that off my chest, I feel much better. So anyway, we're going to see today, I shouldn't probably let Kim share because I would have shared a little differently. But anyway, uh, we're going to see today that the Jews, Paul points out that Paul, Jewish, said the Jews really messed up too. And yet God saves them and us still saves us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. And we thank you for bringing us together, whether we're here or whether we're out there somewhere, watching, listening. Lord, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and remind us of your great faithfulness to us, even when we're unfaithful. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, Romans 1, we saw that the the unrighteous... Oh, the kids, yeah, the kids can head out. Oh, I was supposed to say, Laura lost the tooth, too. She wanted me to make sure I told everybody. She lost the tooth. All right. Tell her I said it. Tell her I said it. All right. <clears throat> I got it. It's a lot of things to remember, Yeah, <laughs> when you're 62 in two days, right? So, anyway. <clears throat> so, Romans 1, unrighteous world. Uh, The Gentiles are under God's judgment. Then we saw Romans 2. The Jews are also under God's judgment because although they had the law, they still didn't follow it. They didn't keep it. And now we see Romans 3. It even gets worse today. Romans 3 is even worse for the Jews because, and us because they didn't do what they were told to do. Now, good news is coming. Uh, the next couple of weeks when we hit the next couple of sections of Romans, we see that someone does come to our rescue. We all know who that is. But I'm not going to spoil the surprise. All right? But today it's talking about how they were unfaithful. And I'm going to read the passage first. Of all. I'm going to use the screen here. <clears throat> what advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true in every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I'm using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some, already, some slanderously claim that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. So, <clears throat> We're going to start out here with verse 1 where he says, what's the point of being a Jew? Verse 1 where he says, once again, what advantage then is there in being a Jew or what value is there in circumcision? What's the point? If we're no better than the Gentiles, what's the point of being a Jew? I mean, just look how we've been treated throughout history, right? Now, it did start with judgment in the Old Testament, God's discipline, judgment on the nation of Israel because they weren't following God. They followed idols just like he disciplines all of us. And ultimately, judges, if we don 't turn back uh, they, they already went through a lot all throughout the Old Testament. The book of uh, judges you know the cycle of sin and God delivering on them and then going back, then they get oppressed again it, and, and it goes all the way through to the book of Malachi, the God dealing with with the Jewish people for their being uh, following idols, idolatry right so they all throughout their <coughs> history. It's been bad, but, it's, but even post-Old Testament, the anti-Semitism, has, they've been historically persecuted, right? Attacked and killed. Even in the USA today, we're seeing a huge increase in anti-Semitism. I was just reading about a study. One in four Jews last year experienced an anti-Semitic incident. One in four in the United States and, and uh, if you study them, I've been following this very close on the news, but a lot of times they kind of blur out the pictures of the people doing it, but they're almost nine, at least nine out of ten times you can count on it being a social justice warrior racist. You can count on that. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. It's unbelievable. And then, so now here they are, now they're saying here, and now you are telling us that we're no better off than the Gentiles? What was the point of all that persecution? What was the point of all that we've gone through? What's our advantage then? And Paul answers that question. Paul is Jewish. Don't forget. He answers it when he says, much in every way. First of all, been entrust, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. What an advantage. Uh, the, 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 the biggest blessing is that the Jewish people have been entrusted with the words of God. The Bible, God's Word, was given to us completely through the Jewish people. Completely. Who wrote the Pentateuch? Moses. What was he? A Jew. Uh, The prophets, guess what? They were all Jewish. Every one of them. The New Testament was written by the apostles who were all Jewish. Uh, Jesus Christ, the ultimate Word of God, was... Jewish, you know, he 100% Jewish. That you know, that, that that's who God used to bring us the Word of God. And God picked the right people. The Jewish people have been fanatical in preserving His Word. If you want to uh, see just how unbelievable the, the evidence is, read Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. And then he has a new one, more evidence. that Just read the latest one, More Evidence That Demands a Verdict. just shows how God used the Jewish people in shocking ways to preserve the Word of God. There is incredible manuscript evidence of the Bible that is in, in no other book in the world. It, it, it's, it's just shocking. You've got you to read it. you got to read it. <clears throat> And look what it says. They were entrusted with the very words of God. The Bible is the actual word of God. It's called inspiration. The Holy Spirit inspired the word. He moved through the writers in such a way that we now have God's word through these prophets and through these apostles. Every word is the word of God. There are no mistakes in God's word. Second Timothy 316 says this he says all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness all scripture is god breathed the holy spirit actually breathed it and second peter 1 20 to 21 it says this above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got God's Word. God's Word. And you talk about an advantage. The Jewish people were the first to hear God's word. They were the first to hear and have God's word that was given to them. Moses up on the, uh, the the mount, the Ten Commandments, the first ones to get it, and they were also that also means they were first in line for salvation. The rest of the world waiting. They were the first in line for salvation. Romans one sixteen. Remember that when we did that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, then to the Gentile. It, 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 they were first in line. You know, you ever wait in line? You ever been in the back of a line waiting for maybe tickets to a game or a concert or, or a restaurant, a really good restaurant? You're waiting to get in and you're at the end of the line. Do you ever think, oh, I wish I could just get to the front of that line. And, you know, if I could just get, could you imagine? But that's what they were. They were at the front of the line. Front of the line. That's their advantage. But God's chosen people, the Jews are God's chosen people. The Jewish people drop the ball. Verse 3 says this, What if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And so they, they, they drop the ball. They were unfaithful. He's making that point. The, in the Old Testament, it's called Old, Old Testament mission. Old Testament missions. You know, we have missions in the New Testament, reach people for Jesus Christ. The Jews had an Old Testament mission that was to reach the world with the one true God, to be a kingdom of priests, a holy people. They were to, sh- to take that word and show the world how to live holy lives and draw people to the one true God, which they did much of their history, but a lot of the history they didn't, and, and, and then God kept having the discipline, right? And so that was what they were called to be, a light for the Gentiles. Remember, we saw it in Acts thirteen forty seven, which actually comes from Isaiah 49, 5. It says this, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That was the job of the Jewish people. That's why they were given God's word. They were they were to do that, but they failed. They flopped. They actually turned on the very people they're supposed to be reaching. Those Gentile dogs, right? That's what they call the Gentiles, the dogs. They they to despise the very people they're supposed to be trying to reach. I hope no Christians would ever do that. I hope we would never look down on people that are completely lost and, and see them as unworthy of salvation. <laughs> some, of You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, there's some churches that, that, that have that attitude. And they ended up, then not only that, they didn't do the witnessing, but they ended up breaking the law that God gave them. We talked about that last week. Make sure you listen each stuff if you missed it because it all builds on it. And they, they end up breaking the law that God gave them, and they were no better than the pagan Gentiles that they were looking down their noses at, right? And even worse, they missed the whole point. They started to think they were saved, good go okay with God just because they had the law. And they, they missed the whole point. The law was never given to save them. They were just show, to show us our sin. But we still are to be saved by faith. It's always been faith. We're going to get into that as we go through Romans here. Genesis fifteen six. the very first thing we hear. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed God he put his faith in God and it was credited to him as righteousness not by anything good he did had done and we're going to see this all in Romans as we go on in Romans 5 and all but it's it's they're saved by faith but they they lost sight of that they thought they were okay because of following the law can you imagine anybody thinking they're going to go to heaven by being good enough nobody in america would think that right Crazy, But that's the same mistakes. We just keep making the same mistakes over and over again, right? And they became so hardened spiritually. The Jewish leadership became so hard spiritually that by the time Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came, they rejected him because their hearts had become so hardened to true faith. But not all the Jews. Not all the Jews. Verses 3 and 4, i read it again. What if some were unfaithful Will their unfaithfulness, nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true in every human being, a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. See, so he says, no, it, not, not everybody. God has always preserved a faithful Jewish remnant. He's done the same thing in the church, whereas the church has gone apostate throughout history. He's always preserved a faithful remnant, always. And, and with the Jewish people, he's always preserved all throughout history. You can see a faithful Jewish remnant. Remember, Elijah 7,000, and bowed the knees to Baal. That was the remnant. There was always a remnant. And even, even when they rejected Jesus Christ, there was still a remnant. Jesus and the apostles were Jews. That was a remnant. The New Testament church was 100% Jewish until the persecution kicked in and they scattered to the winds. God used that, remember? But it was Jewish 100%. There's always a remnant. And even now, there is a huge Jewish remnant. There are more Jewish believers now than ever in history. Ever in history. We call them, the ones who became Christians, they call themselves completed Jews. You know they believe in, in the, they understand that Jesus is the Messiah and they're waiting for the second coming, not the first coming. And and it's it's, it's more than history; just probably more in the last hundred years than the previous 19th centuries combined. Jewish believers in the Messiah Jesus Christ, and that is preparing. We believe because Jesus is coming again. That's a sign that Jesus is coming again, the second coming. God still. In spite of all this that we just said, God still has a purpose for his people. If you've gone through my Daniel Revelation series and you've been around me long enough, you know uh, there's still a huge purpose for the Jewish people. We're going to see this when we hit Romans 11. We're going to see that the Jewish people have a very important role still to play. Many Christians in America think that the church has replaced Israel. No, no. Israel is not the church and the church is not Israel. That is a false teaching, a false teaching. The same people who teach this that that Israel that Israel's no longer they're just they that was our heritage, but we've replaced them. We are the new Israel, the church is the new Israel. The same people who teach this also teach that, remember last time, circumcision has morphed into infant baptism. Remember that? Circumcision has morphed into infant baptism. And just as the Jews were circumcised, now you have to baptize the baby, you sprinkle them, and, and that's, what, that's, the, that's the, the new circumcision, which is false teaching. It's nowhere in the Scripture. Anytime the, in the New Testament you see baptism, it's immersion by a believer underwater and out again. And that's why it's so important that everyone, if you've been baptized as a baby, it's okay. It's a dedication, but it didn't save you. Didn't save. Who we were saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And then we're baptized underwater, come back out again to, to show that we died to our old self and came out alive. And if you've never been baptized as a believer, see me ASAP because we're going to have a couple months. We're going to have it in the river. If it keeps raining, we're going to have it. And and so – But but it, but it but the same people who mess up that very obvious, clear teaching, believer baptism, they teach – Infant baptism based on circumcision. There's no biblical evidence of that at all. Those same people teach replacement theology. Teach replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel, and that's nowhere in God's word. It, it just it just it, it, it's it's a dangerous it's a dangerous theology with dangerous results. The, the anti-Semitism that you have seen in the church history. Was by people who believed this throughout church history and today there are there are groups that are anti-Semitic they 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 hold to those two positions that I said every one of them hold to those positions and many of these Christian groups now boycott Israel they boycott Israel the BDS you know movement they, these Christian groups do this and they all teach those two things mainly the replacement theology is is so so dangerous and every one of them that teaches this this replacement theology it's the same thing the infant baptism the replacement theology it, it's the same false teaching the church is not Israel and Israel is not the church yes we share many of the same spiritual blessings we share the spiritual blessings with Israel uh, through faith wait till we get to Romans 9 to 11 and we're going to see we're grafted into their the tree of faith from the Jewish people but we don't replace them No, 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 no. Israel still has a special, unique calling. And we as Christians must defend them at all cost. All cost. Genesis 12.3 says this. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Talking about Abraham and and his seed, the Jewish people. We, if we, we are. We, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and we're all going to be blessed through them. And that is, we must defend G- the Jewish people at all costs. Not everything they do, the Jewish nation does lots of things we might not agree with. Our Jewish friends might do something we don't agree with or believe. It. That, that's not. We're not defending everything they do, but we defend who they are, who they are, and especially their right to the land of. Israel. That is the thing we must defend. It's called the promised land. Why? Because it was promised to somebody. The Jews. It's their land. And there is no two-state solution in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Don't buy the media's lie or the president's lie or the latest politician's lie. Don't believe that. Uh, The Palestinians don't buy that lie. Did you know that? We keep selling it like, oh, the two-state solutions can be perfect. The Palestinians will be happy. Listen, I just was reading a study in the Jerusalem Post. If you don't read the Jerusalem Post, you're missing a lot of great stuff. But they were showing how they did a poll among the Palestinian people, and they don't buy it. Only 30% of Palestinians want a two-state solution. 70% don't want anything to do with it. Guess what they want? One state. All right, seventy uh, percent fi- of the Palestinians believe that either war or well, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read this, and I'm gonna put it together. Fifty percent, fifty-two percent of Palestinians believe that an armed struggle against Israel is the most effective means to end Israel occupation and build a Palestinian state. Only twenty-one percent supported achieving these goals through negotiations, while twenty-two percent preferred the popular resistance. We call that rioting. All right? So 70% of the Palestinians believe in either, uh, either war or riots to wipe Israel off the map. That's their motto, wipe them off the map. Only 30% believe in peace or a two-state solution. So no, there's no two-state solution. You, give them, two sta- you can give them half the pie, what are they going to do with the rest? Take it. They're not going to be happy with the two-state. It's a lie. And not only that, it's against God's word. God's God's word doesn't have a two-state solution. It has a one-state solution. It's Israel's land. And they will get it all. And it's going to cause some issues in the book of Revelation, but that's a whole other sermon, right? In God's word, Israel has been promised this land by God, and it's given to the Jews. Jesus is coming back to where? Jerusalem. And he's coming back to the third temple. It's going to be built for the Jews. How is that possible? Just watch. Just watch. do you not know, He's coming back in the book of Zechariah. It's all over the book of Zechariah. And, and the Jewish remnant at that time will all put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. In Zechariah thirteen eight, it says this, In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds will be struck down and perish, yet one-third will be left in it. This third I will put in the fire, I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call my name and I will answer them. The book of Zechariah teaches that when the Messiah comes, we know it's the second coming, when he comes, only one-third of the Jews are going to survive what is happening. You want to see why? Read the book of Daniel and read the book of Revelation. You'll see why. But one-third will survive. There will be a remnant preserved at that time. And then Zechariah 12.10 says this, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me the one they have pierced. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. The entire Remnant will put their faith in Jesus Christ, the one they have pierced. That's why in Romans 11, where it says, So all Israel will be saved, I'm not talking about every Jew, I'm talking about all that are left when Jesus comes again will be saved. The remnant will be saved. That's what it's talking about there. But in the meantime, we must share the love of Jesus Christ with them and pray for them and love our Jewish. Brothers and sisters. That's what we are called to do. We must do all we can do to bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. That's our calling, as we're going to see in Romans 9 through 11, why God's allowed all this to happen. He's actually working to bring the Jewish people to faith, which we're seeing happen more and more. That, that is our calling in Romans 9 through 11. Uh, someone just made headlines. This was also in the Jerusalem Post, which they were thrilled with. Uh, the, the Jerusalem Post was thrilled. It says here, Trump's faith advisor... Says, Christians must learn from Jews, not convert them. This is Paula White, who was on the the spiritual leader in in his cabinet. All right? And I remember I talked about her a lot, even when he was the president, how she was a false teacher. And uh, she's a false teaching Jezebel, who, even under President Trump, taught this prosperity theology and all these things. Remember? It's just horrible, horrible word of faith garbage. And now she's increasing her judgment by the day. Uh, listen, she says, don't convert to Jews. Learn from them. I say, listen to Paul, not Paula. It's enough said with that. The Jews need to put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Jews need to put their faith in Jesus Christ just like we all do. Romans one sixteen for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew then for the Gentile they need to put their faith in Jesus just like we do but God is faithful this is what jumps out at us in Romans three here God is faithful to the Jews and to us because although they dropped the ball uh, as, uh, as even though they messed up and it, the, He still rescues us. And, and, and them. He still rescues us and them, as we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. Once again, Romans 3. All right. Uh, you know where we're going with that. But God is faithful. That's what God is faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, he still works his purpose. Old Testament missions, the Jews dropped the ball. New Testament, New Testament, Great Commission. Are We just dealt, dealt with that. The Great Commission. The church has Drop the ball. They did okay for three or four hundred years, and then then they became got into power, and with Constantine, and they dropped the ball. All right, we also failed miserably. Yet somehow God still uses the Jews, still uses the Jews, still uses us. Somehow He uses us to reach a lost world, to reach lost people. He still uses us, no matter how bad we messed up. God is faithful, even when we are unfaithful that God is faithful even when we even when we flop even when we do backflips we backslide spiritually i know nobody here has ever done that before but we we we, we our faith is wavering right he he he's still faithful yeah he's going to discipline us but he doesn't judge us like the world he's going to discipline us but not judge us because for a christian he does it in love remember i will discipline those i love he will discipline us he will bring us Back, he wants to bring us back into fellowship with him. He wants to uh, uh, fulfill his purpose for our lives, and that's why he uses discipline in our life. But he's faithful; he never gives up on us. Dads, you may have messed up, you may not have lost a child at Disney World, but you probably messed up a lot, right? We probably messed up a lot, but it's never. Too late. I tell dads this all the time. It's never too late, no matter how bad we messed up. One of our favorite verses, Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm going to quote it again because I must have not put that in. Sorry, Emily. For 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 we know that in all things, oh, there we go. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Somehow he works it all out. Somehow. And he gives us another chance. He always gives us another chance. God never gives up on us. I was watching, uh, I don't watch much golf, uh. I don't play any golf, but Laurel likes it now, so I'm always out picking up balls for her and chasing balls for her. She's into golf. <sighs> so anyway, the uh, <clears throat> so she so but I'm watching the U.S. I, I like to watch the majors. It's the only thing I watch the majors. I love the majors. There's just something it's like, like Super Bowl, right? And so I'm watching it yesterday, the U.S. Open, and it was just incredible. The here be this player in first place, and he's doing great, and all of a sudden he hits the ball into the Bunker, or he hits it into one guy. Hit it into into a rock under a rock. He had to take a drop. All these crazy things. These great golfers, but they mess up. So they drop their clubs and they walk off the course. No, they keep playing. They just keep playing because they know get to the next hole and start over. And those are the ones who win. They might not win any. They might not win every you know, time they play, but they are the most consistent winning. They finish in the top ten. They get the money, right? Uh, and and they're, they're the ones who win because they know. Bad shot doesn't mean I'm done. There's always another hole. There's a next hole. Forget what just happened, good or bad. Forget it, right? Focus on the next shot because if you carry that last failure, you're, you you could see the guys do do it. They're slumping, they're mad, they're talking to themselves, you know. You can see it, just the weight on them. But the ones who are are able to forget that last shot, good or bad, and focus on the next shot, that is the key. And that's what God allows us, our faith in God allows us to do, is, is no matter how bad we messed up, we still focus on that next shot. Just start now. And that's why I have the keychains. And, uh, you know, all the men, whether you're a physical dad, a spiritual dad, some, an emotional, whatever, however God, every man, I want you to take one of these and, uh, and just pick one out that, that you will always keep focusing on that as a reminder that no matter how weary you are, anybody weary? <laughs> oh. Anybody messed up lately? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. But a reminder that we can start right now, by God's mercy and grace. And will we be that faithful father? Just like God's faithful to us. He's always given us another chance. Will we be that father? Will we keep giving our kids another chance? Even when they're unfaithful. Even when uh, you get up in the morning and you have to spend 45 minutes cleaning the kitchen because your college students are all home and had a party. If it happens again, I'm waking you guys up. At 5.30, when I get up, I'm waking you up. I'm telling you now. I'm calling you out on it. Will we be faithful? Even, even when they're losing their faith, will we be faithful? Be faithful. The prodigal son. The prodigal son. The prodigal son is really only half the story. It's really about the father. the persevering father. If you don't have teens yet, you'll know why you need to persevere. It was easy when they're just running away from you when they're one and a half. It's a lot worse later. But the persevering father, will we we be that persevering father? And maybe here today, and God isn't your father yet, He's never, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ and let God become your heavenly father. But you can become a child of God right now. He can become your heavenly father right now by faith. John three sixteen. You knew it was coming. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to read that again because I did King James and NIV together there. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's good to repeat it. This could be a very memorable Father's Day for you. It could be the day that God becomes your father. You can make him your father right now. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe deep down you know that you've never made God your Father by putting your faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son who died on the cross to take our sin and judgment. Who rose from the dead to give us a brand new life. You've never... Put your faith in Him. But today can be that day. This could be a special, never forgotten Father's Day for you when God became your ultimate Father. Your eternal Father. Your heavenly Father. The Father you can go to anytime, anywhere for anything. It just takes a prayer of faith. It happens in the heart, but I encourage people to pray it anyway, in their heart, in their mind. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, just, it's a simple prayer. God, I, but it's got to be in the heart. God, I i don't want the sin, the garbage, the shame anymore. I, I repent. Of breaking your law, going against your word. Please forgive me, wash me clean because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross for me. For my sin. He took my punishment. I put my faith, my trust, my hope in Jesus. To you, God, I want that new resurrection life. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, and something amazing has happened, you've been adopted. By God. He is now your father. You may have an amazing earthly father. But he's nothing compared to your heavenly father. You can go to him anytime. Anywhere. With anything. You can now have a, a close relationship with your loving Heavenly Father. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe even tell your earthly father. You put your faith in Jesus. Let somebody know. Another Christian. Let them know. So we can encourage you. And if you don't have anybody to tell, tell me. We'll encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how's the Holy Spirit been speaking to us this morning? Our prayer is, God, please don't ever give up on us. No matter how bad I've messed up, no matter how many times I've messed up, thank you for never giving up on me.
1: Thank you, Jesus.